Welcome to the High Road to Leadership. I'm your host, Beverly Lewis, and I have a great conversation for you today. I have a guest in the studio. Diane Duresta is the founder and CEO of Duresta Communications in New York City. Uh, She helps business leaders who are delivering high-stake presentations to be confident, clear, and have charisma, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Welcome, Diane. I am so glad you're here today. Thank you, Beverly. I'm thrilled to be here. So here's the question. This is the high road to leadership, and I know that there's all different kinds of people that listen. Some are aspiring leaders. Some are very, um, very experienced leaders, but with you've written a book that we'll be talking about today called Knockout Presentations. Mm-hmm. The thing that's interesting to me though, how many what is the percentage do you think of leaders who actually need the skills of being confident, clear and having good presentation skills? Well, I think all leaders need it, even seasoned leaders, because people will call me to coach them because they have an upcoming town hall or high stakes presentation. You know, I was reading some research, and I think the article was Forbes, and they were saying that 70% of the jobs require public speaking. And I actually think it's higher than that, in my personal opinion, because it's all public speaking. So even if somebody crunches numbers in a back office, At some point, even if you're remote, you have to show up in front of people and share your insights about those numbers. And if you leave a voicemail, that's public speaking, although I don't know how many people use a phone today. But if you think about LinkedIn, they now have an audio component where you can use an audio instead of text. So we all need these skills. And speaking is the new competitive advantage, and it is a key critical leadership skill. I don't know how you can be an effective leader without having good presentation skills because it helps create connections, it helps you persuade, it helps people feel at ease and comfortable, and it's a way to build confidence and convey your leadership by the way that you are presenting yourself. Well said. I think that is so key. And you you pointed out that it is a key leadership skill. Mm -hmm. And I have seen, you know, that when you compare the skills that were required for strong leadership 20 years ago, they were completely different Mm -hmm. than what is required for today. And now, um, as you know, I teach so much on EQ and high Uh, emotional intelligence and developing that and communication is at the heart of that because we have to build like you said that connection with people um so i love it that did you emphasize you know developing your confidence let's talk about that and i know that i'm sure you have some practical tips but i want to hear um I feel like there are so many people that are confident until the spotlight is on them, Uh (laughs) you know, and again, whether it is three people or five people, it is very common for people to get that frozen deer in the headlights. And in fact, I think one of your books is called Give Fear the Finger. So we'll just call it (laughs) fear is what so many people feel. Um, 
talk, let's talk about that. Is that perfectly normal? And what are some of the ways that you can overcome the fear and be more confident? Well, Beverly, since you mentioned fear, what came to mind is, you know, that the little acronym fear means false evidence appearing real. So at one point in my business, I was in front of a group and I said that and someone said, that's your definition of fear? Mine is forget everything and run, except he used an expletive. (laughs) But that's really the heart of what people feel. And when I was reading this article, there was something like 20% of people would do do anything to avoid speaking, including calling in sick to work. So it is an issue. It is a well-known documented fear. And here's the good news. It doesn't have to be that way. When I wrote my book, initially, it's now in its third edition, I surveyed people informally and I asked them, well, what makes you afraid of speaking? And I would hear comments such as, all eyes are on me. Uh, What if I trip or lose my train of thought? Uh, I don't like being the center of attention. It's all spotlight. And when I looked at the answers, there was one common thread. And that thread was the fear of humiliation. And so what we do is we show people how to have the skills so that they don't have to have that fear. So for example, one of the things is recovery strategies. So when somebody says, well, I'm afraid if I get to the front of the room, I'm going to trip. I said to her, well, what could you say? Let's imagine that happened. How about, I want you to know I've been practicing this entrance for weeks. Or Never let it be said that I don't know how to make an entrance. Now, I I see you chuckling in the background. That's what will really happen because you're breaking the tension. And when you can do that for an audience, they love you and they respect you. And you have such poise and grace when you can overcome some kind of a faux pas. So that's the first thing. But the first, before that even happens, there are two things that are true of people in any level. It's mindset and skill set. And that's how I work with people. The first step is, what are the beliefs that you have about you and public speaking that are getting in your way? So we unearth them, and then we change them. And a lot of times, it's what's called stinking thinking. (laughs) You've heard that expression. Absolutely. People are thinking in a way that's not even true. And so we start to change those beliefs. And like, for instance, I had a a CFO, chief financial officer of a biotech company, and he felt like he didn't know enough about the science. So he was feeling he wasn't knowledgeable. And I said, well, could you explain the biomarkers? Do you understand the, can you explain what the company did? Yes. I said, well, that's why the scientists are there. They're there to explain the science. You just have to have a working knowledge. And when he thought about that, he totally changed how he was thinking of himself. So those are some examples. So we need to change the thinking and give you more empowered thinking. The second part is skill set, because there is a science and an art to speaking, as you well know, as a speaker. So someone like Martin Luther King was an artist. I mean, he could speak extemporaneously, but anybody can learn the skills. And so I say gifted speakers are born effective speakers are made. So what are the skills? Well, let's talk about confidence. How you show up talks about confidence. Now, you may not feel confident initially, but if you learn how to wear the uniform of confidence, people will believe you. They'll believe your confidence. So, for example, one thing I've observed across the board about leaders is leaders are congruent. 
in that their visual, vocal, and verbal communication are completely aligned, meaning what their body's saying, their voice is saying, their words are saying are the same thing. So let's say, for example, I say, I'm really happy to be here, Beverly, but meanwhile, I'm looking down and I'm tapping my fingers. I've just given a double message. And so now the audience is confused. When that happens, body language is the default. When they you, you give a confusing message, they'll believe the body language. So that's where we start. We start with the visual. So there are a few things to keep in mind. What do confident people look like? Number one, they're grounded. So I show people how to ground themselves, whether they're standing in front of an audience or whether they're in front of a screen. Ground your body, ground your energy. And so the question I ask groups is, when you enter a room, do you own the room or does the room own you? And so what you do is you walk in, head up high, shoulders back, you turn, you pivot, you stay for a minute, and hold the space. Silence is terrifying to people. And yet, as we both know, the pause is incredibly powerful. So one of the things we work on is holding the space, not only with your body, but with your voice, mastering the pause. That's confidence. And then using your gestures, meaning if you're speaking about a Super Bowl or a football game, and you're at the coffee maker you're not standing there with your hands folded. Your hands are going. So allow that energy to come forward. Now, I'm Italian, so it comes more naturally to me, but you don't have to be from the Mediterranean ancestry. Anybody can learn how to use a few simple gestures. So that's key. Now, I'll tell you the secret to looking confident is get your gestures above the waist because anything above the waist is powerful. I say that you're you're power space is from your waist to your face. So don't let your hands dangle below, get them above. That looks confident. So again, you're doing all these things. You may have a heart that's beating out of your chest, but they think you're confident. Why? Because you have these skills and you're using them. So those are just a few things in, you know, in terms of voice, you want to make sure that you're projecting your voice. If you're speaking too softly, you don't sound confident. You also want energy, and that's a key element in confidence. People who love what they're doing, who are full of conviction, have energy. And so if you're low-key like this, find a way to get that energy going. Think of something exciting. And then finally, what is your language? Be careful. Avoid wimpy words. Wimpy words are tentative language, such as, hopefully... I've tried to convince you that maybe you'd like to get together because I feel this is sort of a good idea. Now, what have you said? (laughs) Not much. So people are not going to go along with your ideas and recommendations unless you can put a stake in the ground and say it with conviction. So in my book, Knockout Presentations, I have a list of wimpy words and their powerful counterparts. So it's not if, it's when or by going along with this. It's not Hopefully, it's I'm confident. It's not I feel, it's I recommend. So those are just a few tips. So it's blending the right mindset with the right skill set. Over time, as you practice, you'll start to actually feel more confident. Wow. I I just took notes. I thought (laughs) you are just throwing out the nuggets like, wow. Um, I I want to reiterate the word you used congruent. I love that word. I use that word a lot 
Um, and I don't hear it as much as I'd like to hear it from others. So thank you for pointing out the importance of the con- alignment of vocal, verbal, and visual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many people, they spend all of their time practicing on the verbal. Mm-hmm. They, they go over and over the words they're going to speak, but they don't ever... Um, they don't ever work on those other components that you mentioned and the nonverbal being so absolutely critical. And I'd like to just revisit the point that you made about grounding your body. I, I want to be sure I understand what you were saying. I love that principle. Um, I feel like it's, um, it, it gives you something to think about besides what are people thinking about me? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it but when you mentioned about the um, mastering the pause, about is that really what you meant by grounding, like when you go into a room or start a presentation? Can you just speak for a moment more about what it means to ground yourself before you begin? The pause is part of it, but grounding means that, have you ever seen people who are fidgeting, they, they, they just don't settle in, or they're pacing back and forth? So for the, here's a tip, Beverly. For the first one minute, stay grounded. And what that means is come in, put your feet shoulder-width apart, full body height, good posture, and speak. Once you've given your opening, then you can move but have movement for a purpose. Again, that's still grounding. So I, I have a technique I called walk, stop, talk. So for the first minute, you stay in one place and you give your introduction or your opening. And then as you move into different topics, you segue and you walk. So I say step on the segue. You walk a little bit, you stop, and you talk for a while in that side of the room. Now you're talking about a second subject. You walk as you segue or transition, you plant yourself, and you talk from that place. So that's all part of grounding, not this back and forth, back and forth where people get dizzy. That is very good advice. It actually kind of goes with one of the things that I I coach people on is even though I say never, ever, ever read a speech, I, I really, myself personally, I always memorize how I'm going to open and mm-hmm. how I'm going to close mm-hmm. because those, you either catch people's attention immediately or not. And if you don't get it immediately, you know, people waste those first few moments, like you said, either with fidgeting, with not being grounded, or with not being um, ready to have that impact right when they open. Oh, there's so many questions, and there's so many things to talk about with this, because we're talking about confidence, and I really want to talk about influence. Um, You know, I feel like so many times we give away our influence by, by holding back, by, by thinking, oh, I'm not a good speaker. Oh, you know, you're asked to deliver a presentation or asked to, um, to present something and you, and people defer. I think people miss a lot of promotions. They miss a lot of opportunities. They miss a lot of influence. Um, So can we talk for just a moment about influence and how our voice and the way we deliver messages is part of our influence? Definitely. And I'm going to talk to the emerging leaders at this point, and it could could be applying to anyone because I'm talking, I'm referring to when people are presenting to a higher level. 
What often happens is when I see emerging leaders, they're very nervous about speaking to senior management and they don't feel that they have the power or they're not important enough. And so they freeze. So for example, I had a a client who said, Diane, my team does well when they present to me. I have no problem. But as soon as we go and meet senior management, I do all the talking. You know, they freeze up. So here's what I say to people. You are a VIP. You're a very important person because you have knowledge that that senior exec needs. If not, you wouldn't be at the meeting. So first of all, you have a right to be there. Own that. Secondly, there's always a shifting in the balance of power meaning it's not absolute. So at the moment that you're presenting your material, you're the person in power. Own that. Recognize it. Again, that executive needs something that you have or you would not be presenting at that moment. So that's the first thing. The second thing is yeah, the ability to speak up and how you speak up, how you're using your voice. I worked with a woman who was supposed to be promoted to vice president. She had the skills, but her boss said to me, Diane, I can't, because when she speaks to senior management, they look at her as if to say, who is this person? So I observed her and I saw what she was doing. First of all, she was dressed for success. She could have been on the cover of Forbes. So the visual was working to a T, but it was her visual, her vocal and her verbal communication that was out of sync and not congruent. She would use uptalk, and that's a rising inflection. It sounds like you're asking a question. You're making a st- instead of making a statement. All right, so that was one thing. So she sounded tentative vocally, and then she was using wimpy words. So she would not put a stake in the ground and make a definitive recommendation. She'd talk around it. So in working with her, she learned how to do that. She brought her voice down at the end of a sentence. She spoke with a tone of conviction. She decided what her recommendation was. She led with that, and she provided evidence for it. Fast forward, she was promoted to vice president. So the excitement exciting part of this to me is that a lot of this is skills-based, meaning once you have the awareness and you know what is standing in the way and you know what you need to do, you can do it and you can move forward. So that's the message of hope I want to leave everybody with today, especially right now where so many people are interviewing for jobs. Get a coach, go online, read a book, get feedback from your friends. You can do this. That is awesome. I love how you said, own it, own it. (laughs) You're there for a reason, own it. And that is a very good uh, kind of phrase to repeat to yourself that I'm here for a reason. I need to own it. I need to step into it. That's great. Um, I, I have to ask, you mentioned the woman. I love the examples that you gave about your, your voice. Do you, um, one of the things I hear a lot about, because I, I encourage people to practice also their presentations on their phone, you know, to mm-hmm. record themselves. And people always tell me, I hate the sound of my own voice. I don't like listening to my own voice. And they say, don't you? And I say, no, I, I li- I'm used to listening to myself because I want to listen. I want to improve. You can hear things that you're completely unaware of, um, you know, those, the, the sounds, the mm-hmm. the inflections, the things that you might other, otherwise miss. And I love your encouragement that that can be changed. Because don't you think all of us really 
constantly have room for improvement. And I guess what I would say is how can you, how do you, what do you respond when people say, I hate the sound of my own voice? All right. I hear that frequently. So just as I hear, I'm afraid of speaking nine out of 10 times, people say, I don't like the sound of my voice. Now, it's funny you're bringing this up, Beverly, because I was a speech pathologist in my first career. And here is what I learned. The reason people don't like the sound of their voice is it sounds different from the way we hear their voice. And there is a scientific reason for that. Because we hear words or voices through air waves, through air conduction. But when you hear your own voice, you hear it through bone conduction, through the vibrations of your skull. So your voice sounds different as you're speaking than when you listen to it on a recording. Yes, there's room for improvement. I certainly would love to work on my voice. And I have some friends who have these velvety FM voices. I would love to have a voice like that, <laughs> but, but I don't. And I'd have to work with someone and yeah, I want to be true to myself as well. But most people are okay with their voices. It's just that they don't feel comfortable. I would say stay away from the high range pitch. You know, if you're way up here, then you probably need to do some work. But the advantage that men have over women is they have a lower fundamental frequency. Their pitch is lower by nature. And voices that are deeper and lower are perceived as more authoritative. So that's the advantage they have. But I would say for women, when you have a high stakes presentation, work from your lower range, not your higher range. And that has to be a constant I think a conscious intentional effort, because as we know, when you get nervous and your vocal cords shorten, Mm -hmm. your range tends to go up. Mm -hmm. And so that is something even I've worked on because I've noticed that it wasn't so much nervousness with me in the past as excitement. Mm -hmm. And um, I find when I get excited, my voice can go up and my, and, and the pace gets too rapid. So I know I've had to be very intentional about thinking, slow down, Mm -hmm. bring your voice down. And yeah, that's, that's really great practical advice. And it really addresses one of my questions As I was going to say, do you find the, the tips that you have to give men and women tend to be a little bit different? Sometimes, yes, especially for women in leadership, because women will be perceived as too emotional, whereas a man can get excited and he's, he's just excited. You know, he's passionate. So they'll use the term passionate for a man and emotional for a woman. So to your point, we have to be careful not to be too squeaky, <laughs> not to let your, our voices go too high, and to slow it down. And s- slowing down by using the pause. So yes, there are a few things like that. And I've seen a few, I would say, behaviors, presentation behaviors that are more typical of women than men. So one of them is the head tilt. Now, while a head tilt may signal that you're listening, it's not a very powerful gesture. And anthropologists will tell us that when an animal surrenders in the wild, they expose their neck. So subliminally, your audience is perceiving weakness. So what we want to make sure we do is have the head straight on the neck. And that's the benefit of virtual presentations because you can see yourself. 
even before exactly. you Exactly. Oh, and that leads me right into that conversation because now I wanted to talk about virtual presentations. And, you know, I think we've all heard about Zoom fatigue over the last couple of years since everybody was working at home and the changes with the way meetings run, mostly Zoom these days, and it has continued that way. Um, I would love to hear, I, I have been to so many boring Zoom presentations. <laughs> it's, it's, I think we all have. And I, I know that this could, we could spend an hour on this topic alone mm-hmm. and we won't do that. But if you just have any um, translating the tips that you've given us to the virtual presentations, um, are there any key things that you would advise somebody that is leading or speaking? You know, it, it, when you have the floor in a virtual Zoom room, what are some things to remember? Yeah, there is a difference. And I, at the beginning of 2020, I saw a senator on TV that I had seen many times on news. She was media savvy. She was a, a spokesperson. And then I saw her first Zoom presentation. And the way she showed up was we saw the side of her face and she was looking down. She didn't even know where the camera was. And I was shocked. This was not somebody new. She's a seasoned public speaker. So it's a different medium. It requires some different skills. The first thing is find out where the camera is and talk to that lens. Make love to the lens. So right now I'm talking to the lens. I can tell in my peripheral vision, you're nodding. But if I don't look at the lens, then I won't make that eye connection with you. So here's what I do, Beverly. When I'm speaking, I look at the lens. So it looks like we're making eye-to-eye contact. When you're speaking, I'm looking at you to pick up the nonverbals. So that's a challenge. And so what I tell people who are doing virtual presentations is you need broadcasting skills. Think of it as a satellite interview and you are talking to the camera. So that's the first piece. Not 100%, but you, when you want to make an eye connection, you've got to look at the lens. Second thing is you need a lot more interaction in order for people to be engaged. So start right off with interaction, whether it's a question, a poll, something that gets people active. The talking head is dead. Nobody's going to listen to a lecture. And even if you are in a room, people don't want that. They, they want activity. So Figure out different ways that you can engage the audience. A second, a third tip is it needs to move faster. You need more change. So whereas you might have spent two to three minutes on a slide, have three slides instead of one so that you talk A, B, C. You're still on the same topic, but there's something happening. Because if you're on a slide too long, they're going to be on their phones. I know this is counterintuitive because we've all learned, oh, fewer slides but not in the virtual world. You want to have change as much as you can. So those are a few of the tips. And then, of course, we're our own lighting directors. We're our own stagehands. You know, we're, we have different backgrounds. There's so much I could talk about. I actually train people in virtual presentations. And we spend three hours in a group, and then we do the presentations another day. There's so much to learn. I, and you are a fountain of information, and I can see why you have been the president of the New York City chapter of National Speakers Association, a media trainer for the NBA and WNBA. Wow, I, it, it's very clear why. You are just um, so helpful. And so 
I would I would love to go longer, but I want to go ahead and give our listeners a chance to know where they can connect with you to learn more. Um, I and I'm going to let you tell that part. I do know your book, Knockout Presentations, is on Amazon, mm-hmm. and I I think it is so exciting because honestly, when I was learning public speaking myself and you know acquiring the skills to be a professional speaker. I found that there there weren't as many good books out there as I expected to find. Yeah, yeah. So yours is a great resource. But tell us uh, tell us how people can reach you. Thank you. Well, yes, it's still around. It's in the third edition. I'm very proud of it because it's been used not only as a college text, but it's been read in the C-suite because it's practical tips. I wrote it as a seminar in a book, so it's the next best thing to having me there. Please visit my website, Duresta.com, where you can contact me, and you can sign up for my monthly e-zine, where I have videos and tips and articles and resources for you in, to help you move forward in your speaking. Also, I have an online, a LinkedIn Learning audio course, and it's called Speaking confidently and effectively. So if you go to LinkedIn Learning and you type in either my name, Diane DeResta, or Speaking Confidently and Effectively, that will come up. It's a 30-minute course. I was really thrilled. Last year, it ranked number five on the top 20 most popular LinkedIn courses. So I I was really surprised and and very happy to, to know that. Also, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Diane DeResta. And I have over 100 videos there for, for you to peruse and, and learn from. So, and of course, at Speaking Pro is my Twitter handle. But I'd say go to my website, get hold of the book, take a listen to that course. I continue to get comments and compliments on that course because it's like this interview. It's very practical. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I thank you so much. What a resource. I have got a page full of notes. And so all of those links that you just mentioned will be in the show notes. So whatever uh, audio platform people are listening to, they can access the show notes and get all that information. Diane, thank you for sharing from your wealth of knowledge, your vast experience, and your caring to help people be the best that they can be. And I'll leave this presentation uh, conversation with that uh, byline that the best is yet to come. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Beverly.